Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. Hello and welcome. This is Brooke Volk, your host and assistant writer to Ken Vernon, the inspired author of the ebook and published book, Revelation of Revelation, A Total Fraud. What you're about to hear in this episode of the talk show venue of Revelation of Revelation has never been revealed before now. And when I mention revealed, I invite those who tune in regularly or to a live program, I'll mention that pre-programmed by about five to ten minutes, you may hear conversations with Ken Vernon and myself, and we're, of course, not recording at that time, but you are able, by being on the phone with us, to hear what we're talking about. Ordinary folks talking about ordinary subject matter, but with the truth being sought. So we invite you to do that as well, to tune in for the full program. But for those who hear of this on the archive versions, unfortunately, you're not listening to a live version where we do go ahead and talk about other things prior to the program. Not always, but sometimes it could be a five-minute. It's not a rant. It's a discussion. And it sometimes we have to keep a close watch on the clock because we can <laughs> go right into our uh, beginning of our original programming. So remember, we're ordinary folks presenting an extraordinary, not a non-ordinary message that you've never heard before. So as I said before, what you're about to hear on this episode, never been revealed before now in this format, and we introduce this program topic and one-of-a-kind program where it is the scripture speaking the truth through the in-depth scripture studies of Ken Vernon. We do ask that you direct your browser to the website, revelationofrevelation.com, and you'll see various links there about the author, about the blog, where you can click on and see posted blog articles that Ken Vernon has posted for you, and you'll see the book, an excerpt. But as we were talking prior to this program's recording, we ask that people go and let our uh, comments be known after you digest some days or weeks of what we are sharing with you. But then leave a memo. Contact Ken Vernon on his email. And with that, we're going to turn it over now to Ken Vernon and this evening's Reveal Truth Explained. Good evening, Ken. Good evening, Brooke. And welcome everyone who is with us tonight. Even on the computer, we can't tell you there. But of course, you're, if you're on the phone, we can certainly know that you are there. 
I'll begin by asking a simple question. How many guests do we have tonight? Do we have a response? There are no live guests Uh, on the telephone with us. All right. I'm going to correct, Brooke, that program from several programs ago about the Tetragrammaton. When I mentioned that the YHVH is found, it is the acrostic found in the Hebrew Yeshua Hanaseret Vimelakim Hayudim, and that's my best Hebrew. <laughs> but the Y, the Yod Hev of Hey that is found there, that many Bible experts tell us, they have even attached a name to it. They call it the Tetragrammaton. Now, as I said a little bit earlier here, I have mentioned that in a couple of broadcasts. But in fact, the word Tetragrammaton is another one of those words that the theologians have fashioned to explain a particular biblical concept which they have as a result of their much learning from books and from professors and and the like. They never really stopped to think that the word tetragrammaton does not come from scriptures. But here's the other thing about the word tetragrammaton. It assumes that the name of the Messiah was Yeshua. Without the name Yeshua, the Tetragrammaton falls flat on its face. For this reason, in the program that we presented the last two evenings, we show from scriptures that the Messiah was never called Jesus and he was never called Yeshua. He was only called by the name which the prophecy said he should be called, and that would be Emmanuel. So that shoots down the Tetragrammaton and all those related passages in the New Testament records that they say actually show that the Messiah's name is not Jesus, but Yeshua. They are both wrong, because the scripture clearly says all these things were done, that the scriptures might be fulfilled, which was spoken of by the Lord, by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is being interpreted Is God with us? Now, continuing in the word and having the truth revealed is what has happened here. Even after I presented this article, I have taken this learning to other passages in the New Testament, 
to see that they were also false. Now, the title of tonight's program is Correction, and I am standing, standing corrected here from the Scriptures. From 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16, we learn that all Scripture is given by inspiration of the Most High, and they're profitable for correction and for reproof, for doctrine and for instruction in righteousness. So as I continue in the Word, following the instructions from the Messiah, if you continue in my word, you shall know the truth. Voila! Look at what has been revealed as a result of this program, of this article, Christianity from Rome. It has shed a major light on the entire New Testament. It is showing that all, not some, but everyone who is teaching about the Messiah from the New Covenant writings, who is not using the name Emmanuel, is teaching falsehoods. Now, I don't have to call any names. As a Christian out there, I am sure, you know the name that's used. And if you are really into websites and learning what other people learn, you will also learn that the name Yeshua, which is also used, is not the correct name. So once again, as I sit here tonight, I'm saying to you, I stand corrected. There is no Yeshua of Nazareth. There is only Emmanuel. And as I concentrated earlier on the name Emmanuel, I realized that that was a big problem, that he had his name, which means God or Elohim with us, was the major source of the conflict between him and the religious authority of the day. The scribes and the Pharisees did not like that name. They constantly accused him of making himself one with the Most High. Especially since he told them in Mark chapter 7, In vain do they worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. It's very easy to see why that conflict basically started from day one of his ministry. Having shared that with you, I will go to another related topic. In the in the article, Christianity from Rome, I made a very dramatic, drastic statement, dogmatic statement. I said the word Pope is not written anywhere, anywhere in the New Covenant writings. It's never mentioned. Peter, or the Apostle Shimon, whose name they tried to change to Peter, was not the first Pope. There is no such thing as a person, rather, 
no such person called Pope among the disciples. Anywhere in the scriptures will you find the name Pope written. So where does the name Pope come from? I won't spend a lot of time on that name tonight, but I will simply say this to you. If you have any interest in knowing where the word Pope comes from, go to Wikipedia, the free encyclopedia, or any of the online encyclopedias, and you will learn that the word Pope comes from the people who call themselves Pontifex Maximus, an ancient pagan religion that goes back centuries. I mean, more than a couple of millennia. Goes all the way back. The religion was focused around the worship of the sun. In our Old Testament, we find records of the children of Israel forgetting their mighty one and going about the business of worshiping Baal, who was a sun god. If you would like some Old Testament very quickly offhand, go to Ezekiel chapter 8 and read all about it. It's been a problem for the children of Israel, as I said, millennia upon millennia ago. For example, you can see you can see and read all about Elijah and the prophets of Baal, where he called fire out of heaven to not only burn the wood, they, the altar that they poured water over it, but also destroyed the prophets of Baal. So again, I'm not making this up. It is scripture. You can go and find it. It is also history. You can go to the encyclopedia and see where Baal worship comes from. I had a, a recent experience where my wife's nephew's, nephew's daughter asked a simple question. And I, I'm, I now regret that I wasn't there to hear that question because I would have given her an answer. She asked, and get this, why does the Pope wear a dress and a yarmulke? I'm sure you've seen the beanie that he wears. Just as the people, the leaders, the religious leaders among the Jews today, wear a yarmulke. It all comes from Baal worship. You worship Baal by facing the east where the sun rises. And you wear this headdress, this headgear, this beanie, which is round like the sun, and when you bow down, supposedly Baal can see who his worshippers are because your beanie becomes very obvious to him. And that, those things are so repulsive to, the Amer to, to our maker, he calls them abomination in his sight. Right there, in Ezekiel chapter 8. But if you would really like to know a great deal more 
about those people and the worshipers of Baal, get on your computer and Google Baal worship. And I guarantee you, you will sit for at least four hours before you become tired of learning what is there on that screen before you. The many parts of history that they bring to your remembrance or to share with you as long as biblical passages. As a matter of fact, they actually quote from Ezekiel chapter 8 there. I was quite surprised when I saw that. Anyway, let me continue with this name, Pope, this Pontifex Maximus person. It goes back, there were actually Roman emperors who wore that title. So I am not surprised as I see the power that they still have Today, they have an entire city in Rome. It is fashioned after Baal worship. It has nothing to do with the scriptures. Now, in our New Testament, in the Gospel of Matthew, we can find that conversation that the Messiah had with this person or with allegedly Peter <laughs> uh, a very very interesting thing that happened here actually because they did not they did they had no concept whatsoever of who the creator was when they added this nonsense you'll see what I mean by nonsense if you take into consideration that the Messiah's name was Emmanuel. He was God, to use a common English term so that you can understand it. It was God with us. Now remember now, Emmanuel is the creator. He's with us as a human being. And according to the people who added this fraudulent passage in your New Testament to justify the name Pope, here's what it says. <clears throat> and I'll pick it up. Let's see. In chapter 16, Messiah is having a conversation with his disciples about the leaven of the Pharisees and so on and so on. And then in verse 13 it says, And when he came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Whom do men say the Son of Man am? <laughs> now catch this. The very Creator who is God with us, is taking a poll. He wants to know who the people are saying he is. That's the first piece of nonsense. Here is the creator walking in the Holy Land, reading the minds of people even before they asked him questions, supposedly now asking his disciples who the people say he is. 
That's the first nonsense. Then it continues. And they said, some say that you are John the Baptist, some say Elijah, others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He said unto them, this is all I'm telling you was put in your, in your Bible by unscrupulous men, and I'll show you why, another instance why it is. The Creator doesn't take polls. He knows what people are thinking, always knows that. I'll continue. He said unto them, But whom say you I am? <laughs> Here he comes. Simon Peter answered and said, Notice it says Simon Peter. The apostle's name is Shimon. He's not an Englishman. He was not an Englishman. He was a Jew. His name is Shimon. Not Shimon Peter. However, let me continue. Shimon answered and said, The what? The Christ. <laughs> Another lie. According to the scriptures what I showed you in the last two meetings we had, the, in the Christianity from Rome Articles 1 and 2. I won't stop at that point to go over that again, but let me continue. He says, <laughs> the son of the living God. Did you catch that? <laughs> and that's the English. That's what Shimon said to him. You're the son of the Almighty. He is the Almighty. <laughs> Verse 17. And he answered and said unto them, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed it unto you, but my Father, which is in heaven. He continues. And I say unto you that you are Peter. Not Shimon now. His name has turned to only Peter. And upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Second lie in that passage. Verse 19, he says, And I will give unto you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatsoever you shall bind on earth, shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever you shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. <laughs> Let's look at some more of the nonsense that's written there. The rock upon which the, the assembly is built is the Messiah himself. To the writings of the Apostle Shaul, called Saul, by the English translators, you will find, he said to the church in Ephesus or Philippi, I don't remember which at the moment, but you can find it, it's very easy to find. He said to them, and we, the assembly, are built upon the apostles, the prophets and Messiah, the chief cornerstone. 
He was the rock that was rejected by the builders, as Shimon and Yohanan recorded in the book of Acts chapter 4. He said, he is the rock upon which the assembly is built, not the apostle Shimon. So we have two passages here, one conflicting the other, where it says that Shimon would be the rock upon which the church is built. That is straightforward falsehood that's written here. These are the passages that are used to explain the position of the Pope as being the head of the church. Nothing of the kind is true. It is all fabricated to prove for everyone that the Pope himself is actually the head of a church. He is infallible because it says, whatever you loose on earth will be loose in heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Those of fabricated passages, again, as I say, to justify the person called a pope. But the scriptures clearly show that it is a lie. From the prophet Isaiah, Yahweh himself said, I will place in Zion a stone, a tried stone. Shimon, as I said in Acts chapter 4, reminded the Pharisees and the scribes who questioned how and by whose name they healed the man that was sick from his, that was crippled from his birth. He told them that he, the Messiah, was that stone that was placed in Zion. Again, scriptures from the Old Testament and from the New Testament showing that this entire passage here, where they try to justify a person called the Pope, is all a hoax, a cruel hoax. From the first century on, no one has a clue. There are no scriptures to be found anywhere regarding the church and if it did in fact go beyond that period. It says the gates of the grave shall not prevail or the gates of hell as he claims it, as the uh, old English people recorded here in the King, in the King James that the gates of the grave should not prevail against the assembly. But in fact, it did. Down through the ages, from the first century on, no one knows where the church is. First, in the third and fourth centuries, late third century and beginning of the first, the fourth century, we find records of various people claiming to be connected to the church that was in Jerusalem. They even bring forward this thought that the apostle Peter, <laughs> this is a good one, is actually buried on the Vatican grounds. Yes, they do that. They even have an obelisk erected above the place where supposedly his body lies. All 
fabricated stuff. There are no scriptures whatsoever anywhere that can prove to us that the grave did not prevail against the church. So now that I added that to this article, Christianity from Rome, for you, to support the fact that there is no Pope, but they carefully, in their ignorance, placed within the pages of the New Testament verses trying to show that the Messiah himself said those words. He did no such thing. He is that stone. He is the rock upon which the church is built. Not any apostle named Peter or any other name or any other apostle. The apostle to the church in Rome was Shaul. Shaul the apostle, which the English translators would have us call him Saul or Paul, which is also another fabrication. But he was the one who raised raised up the congregation in Rome. You can go to his letter. Right after the book of Acts, you find his writings to the congregation in Rome. So Peter, once again, never had any place in Rome, never was the head of the church, and as a matter of fact, in 2 Corinthians, the apostle Shaul actually boasts. He made it clear to, to the congregation in Corinth that he outlabored all the other apostles. And the record stands for itself. The works that we have in the Old New Testament shows that Shaul is the one who conducted his apostleship in a very powerful manner. He wrote letters to all the churches. The uh, letters that are in here with the name Peter on them are false. They're actually false. They're fraudulent books. They don't belong in the New Testament writings, along with the other nine fraudulent books in the New Testament, along with the book of Revelation, which is the biggest fraud of all. Uh, I see we're down to a minute here, Brooke. I'll give it back to you. I just wanted to be sure to make that correction about the name and the Tetragrammaton. Thank you, Ken. You've been listening to Revelation of Revelation, a total fraud. Now, we're not being antagonistic. We're not trying to draw attention to this message because it is different or that we stand against any other religions that you may belong to or grew up with, such as Ken and myself. But when the truth is revealed through the scriptures, it's almost like a code book that I've mentioned before that you see depicted in movies. Uh, The special movies that come to mind like Indiana Jones and The Grail and all of the fictionalized but mesmerizing movies that draw your attention to what if. If you're listening to this program, you are asking, what if? What if what Ken Vernon is being revealing to the world at this time in such a small, simplistic way? What if? Well, you don't have to say what if. You can say, 
I see now the scriptures, but inside you need to be asking to seek the truth. And the truth will set you on the platform of wanting more and more. And the simple truth. Scriptures are very complicated. How do you expect children to pick up what the meaning of Scripture is when adults can understand it, with the exception of the holiday season, where they pick out the Scriptures that depict the birth, and then, of course, the holiday season, where they depicts the death. And then the book of Revelation, I do not know what the authors or authors of that particular book was hoping to scare the wits out of people, to get them in tow, to follow their beliefs. But open up your mind, that's the best thing. Feel good about what you're seeking, and the truth in the scriptures will set you on a path to know. However, if you are still so confused, have a one-on-one consultation with Mr. Vernon. Through email, address your questions, your concerns, your doubts, and let Ken directly inform you of where in your Bible you can learn from text of Scripture the truth of your concerns. And with that, we'll say good night and thank you for joining on this episode of revelationofrevelation.com where you can go to the website to seek more and more of what's presented there to you. Until our next broadcast, this is Brooke Volk, assistant writer to Ken Vernon, saying good evening. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.